G'day guys and welcome to the latest podcast. Just a little bit of a disclaimer, we returned to the pub for this episode where we reviewed the Everton match. It just might be a little bit noisy in parts where the bartender seemed to see how many glasses they could smash in a short period of time. So there might be a little bit of banging and clanging, but hopefully you do enjoy the sort of the old tradition and the little bit of pub ambience that the podcast does bring. So just keep that in mind and I'm sure the audio will return to normal as of next week. But hopefully you enjoy the episode and thanks. Bye. Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast and a podcast that a few days ago was looking like it could potentially be a horrendous podcast, but a few days later, United win, obviously away at Everton and a good Monday morning for us here in Sydney, seeing Aston Villa smash smash Arsenal. Um, Podcast regular Josh is back with us, replacing Larry today. How's things, mate? Really good. I think I've got a record every time I'm on the podcast. I think we're always reviewing something positive about United. We've either won the game, might even be an international break, so we're happy to see that. But yeah, another win we're reviewing. And I think we all expected um, maybe the early headlines on Monday morning that Solskjaer could be gone, but pull out of the back the team. Well, it's amazing how, how quick it changes because we were certain on last week's podcast that we're going into that Everton game, a tough Everton game. It was going to be a tough one, which likely was going to end up in drop points, maybe even a loss. And if that happened, it was obviously the inevitable discussion regarding Solskjaer. But the outlook has completely changed, and maybe it shouldn't change. You can't sort of hold it just on one result, but um, it definitely will be very interesting. But just on that, in terms of obviously Aston Villa have just beat Arsenal. This weird season continues. Aston Villa have beaten Liverpool 7-2. You beat Arsenal 3-0. United getting results against big teams, not getting results against less teams. So this your make of, is this weird season going to continue, do you think? Absolutely. you're going to see strange results and you've already seen that I don't think I think every team now has lost a game so no one's got like an unbeaten run which you sort of do sort of get maybe until October November time anyway um, but I said it on previous podcasts it's just the fact that we've not really had a pre-season teams and players are carrying on from the season before you're going to get mad unpredictable results and I think it goes to show as well the lower teams the likes of like Fulham and, and West Brom who you expect to be bad but they've been really really bad and I think that's been highlighted by the lack of rest and the lack of um, you know pre-season preparation yeah no definitely agree so we will go into obviously the evident match and we'll always start as usual with the start in 11 and everything that was surrounding that and I think the, probably the main place to start I think with this start in 11 was in the heart of midfield and Fred McTominay and the main thing I want to talk about in regards to Fred McTominay is Solskjaer's selection because pre-match everyone sort of is always refreshing their Twitter feed an hour before kickoff, waiting for that team selection and again it caused it caused outrage. How can he be dropping Pogba? How can't Van der Beek be playing, etc.? But I think this comes down purely to Solskjaer playing two players in there who he can trust. And I think it's clear now, as great as Paul Pogba is, and we'll definitely discuss him later in the podcast. 
Solskjaer can trust Fred and McTominay. Whether they're the best footballers or not, time will tell, and we're all entitled to our opinions on that. But it comes down to Solskjaer. His back was against the wall. His job was on the line, regardless of what you think. His job definitely was on the line. And he's picked Fred and McTominay over Pogba. I think you, you probably expected that. I mean, he, he's sort of on the ropes, Solskjaer, going into this game. He might not be, you know, technically, but in terms of the social media response, he, he's on the ropes. And he played a sort of similar, similar, you know, he played McTominay and Fred against Arsenal. And albeit we lost the game, we lost to, you know, a set piece of penalty. Like, you, defensively, they're actually OK against Arsenal. I didn't think, like, the defence were the worst part of the game. Um, and taking this, you know, McTominay and Fred into this game against Everton, he sort of banked, as he said, on some, you know, on a partnership that you can trust, but also where you're not really going to, you, you couldn't see yourself, you know, conceding two, three goals in that game, and, it, and it, you know, if you did, you're going to score more. It's a very safe, stable partnership, and one that's proven, you know, good in, in the away games we've won this season against Newcastle, as an example. Well, they're two players when. We've discussed them and maybe we're going to go into our next game is obviously at home to West Brom after the international break. And if you pick Fred McTominay in that type of game, it'll raise concerns in terms of can we break a team like that down. But in big games, and whether you call Everton a big game, but obviously in the context of things, it was huge because it's also his job security. But McTominay as a footballer, obviously a lot of question marks, but I thought this is almost a result of Solskjaer's trust in McTominay he looked like um, Solskjaer told McTominay that he was Pele. Because McTominay went out there and he was rolling the ball under his foot. He was spraying passes. But the quality might not have been there, but McTominay definitely felt the quality was there. Like, he looked just so confident. Very, very caricatic in the sense that maybe not on the creative side of things, but in terms of cleaning up the mess, it was just very simple. It was just simple basics. And we talked about basics. A lot of the comments were... You know, around the last games which we've lost is we can't get the basics right, the simple five-yard passes, the, you know, the actual, you know, man-marking and defending. That's why he's got McTominay and Fred in the squad today, to get the basics right. And, you know, that's why sometimes when you come off a run of two games where you've lost, that's where you've got to start, is getting literally the essentials right. It's not going to be the cleanest, you know, most attractive game of football, but at least you're not going to make, you know, mistakes. Yeah, well, no, I think that is definitely what we're talking And what United, as you just say, is what we needed at the moment. I don't think we needed a 10 out of 10 performance. We needed a 6 out of 10 that would get us three points because exactly. three points was the only thing that mattered. So we're just going maybe 10 yards deeper. And obviously someone who is obviously gets criticised a lot, both through United's fan base and the media. But I thought last season, I thought it was his, almost his best performance of the season away at Everton. And again today, oh, sorry, on Saturday... I thought he almost matched Harry Maguire. Look, everyone will go into, was it a captain's performance? Did he show leadership or not? Forget that. I just think from a centre-back's point of view, it was a perfect, or whether he's called perfect, we considered a goal. But it was a dominant centre-back display. I 100% agree with you. I thought, um, I thought defensively, collectively as a team, we weren't, we weren't um, I wouldn't say perfect, we weren't bad. But I thought Maguire highlighted maybe some of the incompetences shown by some of the other defenders for example I don't think Lindelof had his best game I thought he was out muscled for their, for their goal and uh, Wan-Bissaka as well was looked a little bit dodgy in terms of you know the one-on-one tackles which you usually associate with him being you know 10 out of 10 I thought defensively Maguire got every ball in the air loved the fact that you know he went down tried to get a penalty and then 
took one over on their uh, attacker in the well, other side well, two well, minutes later. Well, on that call, that, that is almost, and look, it was very risky and we could be having a different discussion if it wasn't an offside call, but, but that was what I like, because it was a dead set penalty against Jordan Pickford. I don't know how that's gone to VAR and they haven't seen that kick, because if that's on halfway and it's a midfielder and a midfielder against each other and he, a foot makes contact with the chest, it's a free kick. It, 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 no one raised any well, other. Anywhere else kick. on the pitch, that's a foul. Yeah, um, and we've seen similar decisions like that across, you know, a couple of the games um, yeah. across the weekend. It's not just United. It's I think there was an incident in um, I think it was a Chelsea game where the, you know Sheffield United may, maybe should have got a penalty or the third one. You know, the Chelsea yeah. third one was a foul. Anywhere on the pitch, you know, it would be given. Well, no, yeah. Well, Jordan Pickford. He just look. We, we could talk about Jordan Pickford the whole time on this podcast. He's hilarious to watch. <laughs> But in terms of what I was saying, what I'd like from Maguire is it really whether you call this leadership or captain, I don't care, but it would have been so disappointed with not getting that penalty. Thirty seconds later he saw an opportunity to leave one on Ding uh, the left back. And he did oh, look it's very it should have been a penalty if it wasn't offside, I think it would have gone to VR and given a penalty, but the offside was obviously raised earlier. But I do like that, and look, hopefully the guy isn't too badly injured. Actually, I think he continued. I didn't, don't think he, he, he continued. Himself, continued as but it was he won everything though. Yeah. But Harry Maguire went through him just, and I, and I like that. And another thing as well, you don't associate Maguire with being fast. I think I think if there's one flaw to his game, it's he's going to get sometimes outrun, outpaced. But I thought in the game, you know, on Saturday he was he was brilliant. He didn't look like he was exposed at all. And when other defenders, and I'm not saying Lindelof was exposed throughout the game because he wasn't, he had, he had a you know, pretty averagely good performance, a solid six, seven out of ten performance. Yeah. But there was times where he looked like he could have been exposed and Maguire was really assertive, really alert. And it was probably one of his best, I think it was one of his best games since last season. Yeah, well, 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 he had you a look pretty at, good season. You look at Calvert-Lewin and obviously he's crucial in that first goal where he sort of gets the better of Victor Lindelof. But in that second half, they try and play through um, Calvert-Lewin a fair bit, and they get a few crosses into the box. Harry Maguire, I can't remember Calvert-Lewin playing in the second half. No, but it's, um, I suppose as well it's down to, he's probably had a lot of experience playing with him as well at England, they probably had a lot of training drills together as well, but as I said, he was, he was perfect, Harry Maguire. We'll go to our 3 2 ones after, he's definitely up there for me. If, you know, if Bruno <laughs> didn't have this, the game he had, he'd, he'd probably could be up there. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, we'll get into Bruno now and the two goals. Um, Talking through, the, obviously, the first goal, um, very similar to the goal in Turkey, where Luke Shaw gets the ball on the left, looks up and floats across in. Martial, obviously, against the Turkish side there. Bruno today, um, well, I keep saying today, but on Saturday. Bruno's got a lot of bows to his arrow, but it, this is a good one. I don't, didn't expect it from Bruno. No, and I think... We can argue that the first goal was collectively maybe a little bit of bad defending, but it takes a really intelligent player to get into a pocket of space like that and, you know, finish it with a header. Because it wasn't, it wasn't a close-range header. Yeah. It still could have got 15, you know, 15 yards out. Doesn't matter. A, a header from that distance, Jordan Pickford can't reach it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> can't touch the crossbar, can he? <laughs> But um, just on there, because I'm not going to hide away from him because I, both Larry and myself have definitely criticised him big time in the past. Um, Luke Shaw. I thought Luke Shaw was a lot better today. Uh, can I stop saying today? It was obviously Saturday. Um, United played Everton. I thought Luke Shaw was a lot better. I don't think he was fantastic. I think we're going to see a huge difference when Tellez comes in. Hopefully Tellez gets fit soon and he'll come in because Luke Shaw unfortunately did pick up an injury towards the end of the game. But My controversial comment is if Luke Shaw plays 90 minutes, he's, he's my three. three. That's my controversial comment of the day. But in terms of, he's so involved, Luke Shaw. He, he gets involved, which, which I think sometimes that looks like it's a good performance. And I think 
against Everton, he, he was productive. He was trying to get behind Seamus Coleman. He was trying to get crosses in. He was always looking forward. Where sometimes when he gets so, so involved, he doesn't take that risk. And, and with that risk, I think, comes with a little bit of laziness. He, he doesn't want to make that overlapping run because he knows he has to make a 60-yard run back. Yeah. Um, I mean, Everton probably didn't, you know, on both occasions, when he made the run past Coleman, he wasn't, you know, like, he wasn't pressed and in the, in the first goal as well. I think he has sort of had a lot of time to really pick out Martial. So not Martial. Um, he had a lot of time to pick up Green, but you thought he was meant for Martial. Yeah, well, the, the cross, and again, I don't want this to bash Luke Shaw too much. And look, only he knows. Me personally, and it's very easy sitting on the couch on the other side of the world, I don't think the cross was for Bruno Fernandes. I think it was for Martial. I think it was almost a standard Luke Shaw cross where he's going to leave it a little bit short and curling away from his target. It's when he had just happened to, on FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to Bruno Fernandes was luckily in the right spot. But it might have been for Bruno, so I'm going to give him credit for it. It's because two assists yeah. and two Actually, games. I think it was... Um... I think it was a better goal than the second. I thought the second was really bad defending from them. I thought the first one was actually really clever. Really clever balling from Shaw. And I thought as well from, from Bruno to get into that pocket of space where you know you're not going to be... They're going to take a risk and not mark you because you think you know they're going to... They're anticipating that he's going to place it to Rashford. Sorry, to Martial. Well, we'll get into that second goal as well. And while I completely agree, the second goal for us was you know, shocking by Everton all around in terms of the way they let United play through. However, we're United fans, I've got to look at it from a United point of view. It was a great goal. Fred, who sometimes is criticised for his quality of pass going forward, saw Rashford. Okay, Rashford should be tightly marked in that area of the pitch, but he saw him, pinged the ball into him. Rashford, nice little turn. Again, under no pressure at all. Um, finds Bruno in a bit of space and sort of follows it up with a nice run into the box. Nice little dink ball by Bruno and look. It's a good goal. Rashford should do better. Um, <laughs> Rashford shouldn't get a touch to it. <laughs> and, and Rashford should score. Obviously, everyone did think it was him at the time. Jordan Pickford can't really do anything about it, but again, just the erraticness of Jordan Pickford. He was all over the shot. Yeah. Um, I think what's really pleasing on that second goal is it came really close after the first. It shows United how you know had the desire to go on and fish for that second goal. I thought, in all honesty, it was criminal defending, and I think if that was us that conceded that goal, we would be slating either Maguire or Lindelof, who you know who'd be responsible for you know marking, let's say, Calvert Lewin in that position. He had so much space, Rashford. I probably could have counted it on your hand, like for three, four seconds, and literally just wait for the ball to go to his feet. He didn't even move to the ball, Rashford. I think he waited for the pass. Where they show. We, you, they, they slowed it down so much to see if you did get the flick on. And when they did slow it down like that, just you mentioned there how much time he had. I was almost thinking he could have almost jumped up and taken it down on his chest. Yeah. And taken it down. And yeah. I thought clever, really clever play from Luke Shaw as well to take Coleman out of the game. Yeah. Um, and it allowed Greenwood really to try and place it to Rashford in the end. But, but again, I, and going back to Luke Shaw there, that's where I think Luke Shaw is better and was better against Everton getting forward well, not just not just making numbers getting forward but a directness in terms of committing a defender yeah um, and obviously didn't have to get back so fantastic for Luke Shaw but um, what was I going to say about that Rashford goal but yeah so Rashford obviously everyone is talking about um, obviously his good work off the pitch but he's also assisting Bruno with assists now so I don't know does Rashford get the assist or does I, think Bruno... get, I think he gets the assist for that it doesn't matter one of them gets the goal one of them gets the assist uh, I think Bruno could definitely claim an assist and a goal <laughs> but speaking of Rashford um, our supporters club here we're actually recording here at Piermont Bridge Hotel um, it's the home pub of the Man United supporters club here in Sydney and um, just on re- in regards to Rashford, we are having a charity match in Sydney on the 28th of November against the Man City Supporters Club, and we'll be raising money for the Manchester Food Banks. It'll be equally split between the work to both 
uh, must from the Man United Supporters Trust and obviously Manchester City's version. The money will be split between the two, so keep an eye out on all our social media. Um, Josh will be playing, Larry and I will both be playing. Um, I'm yet to tell Larry if he's on the bench or <laughs> starting. Um, see how Larry, much... sometimes you'll turn up for the big games, Larry. Yeah, see how much money he gives us. I might give him a start on the left wing or right wing. Depends on his preference. I still don't know what foot he is. Um, <laughs> but we will get into that. Um, well, what so? Sorry, what so? What so? Yes. It's a bit of a toe poker. But um, yeah, love you too, Larry. But we'll get on to um, Cavani just to finish off the Everton review. Good to see him score a goal because I think when he's come on, he hasn't been criticised for performances when he's come on, but he's been a little bit quiet. However, when he's come on, he's been in and around, in and around chances, and I'm, I'm yeah, really glad he scored a goal. I mean, he's not the games has come on. He's not really. Yeah. I mean, you associate a clinical strike. The arm for three minutes needs to be clinical, but he's not really had much time. He's not. You remember, he's not played since February. He's not played a full ninety-minute game since February for PSG. And I thought when he came on yesterday, it was it was. Great no look pass from Bruno for him to get the goal and it's a proper strike is finished. Yeah. You know, if that if that was Marcelo Rashid, you'd probably think maybe sometimes you know, the keeper has more of a chance of saving yeah. it. Well well it's one Jordan Pickford he looks out of position but he really does nothing wrong because nine out of ten strikers will try and call that into the far post. Yeah, and you can't you can't fault Everton for but, 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 that. They're chasing the game. But Cavani knows Pickford knows he's going to the far post. Yeah. So it opens his body up but then quickly whips it into the near post. So hopefully it's the first of many. Well, so I think every time he's done work, he comes on and he, he, he does well. And I just think, look, we'll get in. We're we going to have a whole debate on the situation we find ourselves in in terms of bringing in Cavani on the last day and also Egalo in the, in the previous January transfer window. That he just he just looks more, or United look more dangerous with Cavani. You're more confident with Cavani yeah. on them, Egalo. Yeah, and I think the presence he has among the players as well, you know, shows that, you know. Fair play to um, Fernandez. You know, you're thinking you're chasing a hat. You know, a hat trick. He wasn't shy of saying that in his post-match interview. Though I could have had a hat trick, and I gave it to Cavani. Well, well, I think part of Cavani's run was he could definitely tell Cavani had a desire to grab the goal. Yeah. But Cavani's run was okay. I'm trying to get in position, but I also can open a bit of space here for Bruno. Nice no-look pass as well. Yeah. 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 No, it was fantastic by Bruno. And speaking of that, I think we might as well get into the three-two-one. Speaking of Bruno Fernandez, because. Three goal involvements. You, you, you could double him up with assists and goals, as I mentioned, with yeah. the, the second goal. And um, not only that, in terms of his goal contributions, but I thought he was a bit more careful with the ball today. I, again, this podcast isn't recorded on, so I keep saying today, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it but, feels um, like we're still celebrating. <laughs> but um, I thought it was a better performance. It wasn't fantastic, I don't think, but he was far more mature with the ball in yeah. terms of not giving it away. And I think, I think United really... I think Solskjaer probably would have drawn that into the place before the game. Is you know you need to be you need to be mature in this game. You need to be sensible. It's probably not the game to take as many risks as you know you'd usually do. You need to sort of you know instill the basics and, and get them right, and then go from there. And I think you know Fernandez was at the forefront of that alongside McTominay and Freddie were in the heart of midfield. I thought the two, the, the first goal, very clever finish, and the second one as well was a very clever pass. I thought he didn't really put a foot wrong today, and for me, definitely three. Well, I was going to give you the honours of picking your three, uh, or the three points, but I think we both unanimously agreed that it was Bruno, so I'll give you your shout for two points. My two points probably goes to Fred. I thought, I know you were, you were, you were glowing glowing recommendations for, for um, McTominay and I thought he had a good game but I thought Fred was really really good really confident on the ball 
I think he instilled what Solskjaer wanted in that game in terms of getting the basics right. He cleaned up the dirt from the back sometimes, and his you know his tackling and his passing was near enough spot on. I thought he had a re- I thought he had one of his strongest games this season, Fred. Yeah, look, look as much as I was sort of praised McTominay after the game, I praised McTominay in regards to what the situation surrounding McTominay has been in terms of the contribution and quality of performance Fred I think was a lot better than McTominay but I yeah. just think McTominay obviously deserves recognition for his performance but yeah I think Fred I very much a love-hate relationship with Fred when I see that you think he's worth every penny we paid for him but then I see another performance and I think geez is he really all you that see, like Arsenal and it's, it's, it's inconsistent but I think at the moment, I think we're being a bit unfair. I think it's more consistent and inconsistent. Um, he's, he's sort of flowed on from the success of last season, where he had a he had a very good season. Like people were saying the writing was on the wall in November, December time, yeah. and then come when Fernando Fernandez signs, you know, he's near enough hitting seven, eight out of ten performances. Yeah, no, long may continue. And one point should be pretty straightforward. I would suggest Maguire. Then. Yeah, I mean, for me, if Luke Shaw played ninety minutes, he'd, he'd get my one. Um, I thought he was. I thought he had one of his stronger games. And again, the Istanbul game wasn't. The, you know, it was a horrible game. But I thought he was a shining light in that game. Um, a lot of our fans as well seem to, you know, agree on social media. But yeah, Maguire. One of his. Um, one of his strongest games. He's had a really tough season on and off the pitch. Um, yeah. A lot of people unfairly, fairly criticising him. You know, you can have your say, but I thought everything in that game. And Everton are a tough team. We've got a big physical presence in Calvert Lewin. They've got a lot of pace on, you know, on, on the wings as well. I thought he handled it superbly. And again, Lindelof didn't have his best game. I thought it was, it was good. It was average, but you know, he covered for that, and he was he was mature, yeah. commanding. Well, definitely. And then Maguire is in and around this discussion as well, but Bruno Fernandez as well. It was an old, and look, maybe not as sort of blood and sort of sweat and tears as other games, but you look back in the past in the early 90s, etc., but it had a feel of an old-fashioned Premier League game. Like, okay, players were rolling around, Bruno Fernandes rolling around, McTominay was diving all over the place, but it still had a a physical edge to it, which was an old-fashioned Premier League football match. Yeah, and it's... um I think a lot of credit should go to the team because we've got, we've got a horrible record at Everton in the past, you know, couple of years. I think we've only won. I think that's maybe or maybe our second victory. Well, like I said last week, when the fixtures come out, I pencil in drop points. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough for fans of the four. You know, it'd be, it's not the game. You, it's not the game you sort of want to be playing. They were, you know, league leaders for a while after the back of a defeat in Istanbul. You've just lost to Arsenal as well. It's probably not the game you want to bounce back from. You're probably looking for like a West. You probably want that West Brom home game. Yeah. Uh, or maybe West Brom away. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, probably West Brom away. Unfortunately, we are at Old Trafford against West Brom on return. But we will, uh, before we move on to obviously the international break, because um, there's a little bit to discuss regarding that, we'll get into just the Facebook comments and we'll go through everyone's 3 2 1 they've left out. And I think pretty much will all be similar to ours. Um, Rob has said Bruno for three, Luke Shaw for two, and he's also donating. One point to Cavani for the goal. Go on, Rob, another Luke Shaw fan. Just <laughs> <laughs> see Shaw's name somewhere else. Actually, twice more for two points, but we'll get into Emma, obviously secretary of the Supporters Club here in Sydney. Three points to Bruno, two for Fred, and one for Harry Maguire. Um, Brendan, exactly the same. Bruno, Fred, and Maguire, um, obviously the same as us. Ian over from the Perth Supporters Club. Um, Bruno for three points, two for Luke Shaw, and Harry Maguire gets a point. Antonio, Bruno, Shaw, and Maguire as well. 
and Ahmad also Bruno McTominay and Maguire so oh, lovely shot of isn't it yeah. well again it's much better to read those 3 two ones rather than scraping the barrel when we had to yeah, do it against, yeah, yeah, against yeah, Arsenal yeah. and against the Istanbul team and against Spurs so well, it, it is good it looks like he's going to be out for a while so I hope everything's okay with him but again a, probably a good opportunity to see our new signing tennis assuming he doesn't come back with Covid, COVID from yeah. Brazil because obviously international break there's a worldwide pandemic, so everyone sends their players all over the world for the next two weeks. How um, none of ours are, have, you know, besides Tellers, is beyond them. Yeah. How Fernandez has not, you know, contracted. Don't, don't say that. Touch wood. Touch wood. Touch wood. Don't say that. But we'll get in, actually, before the international break, we'll touch on Solskjaer because, look, the podcast was very much likely to just be generated around Solskjaer if we did lose the game. But he's obviously done well. We'll talk about his trust in players. But in terms of, I want to talk about how he came out after the match and his reaction I was watching the post-match and I was just oh my god I did not see that coming in terms of what he said completely agree I think everyone agrees no issue however I didn't quite understand his motive behind it yeah I mean I listened to I listened to all his press conferences pre-match post-match and I listened to the pre-match press conference there was no you know complaints in regards to the game it was all about preparation how they're going to approach the game what they want to get out of it as you'd expect and then I don't know if he's just been reactive to you know to the injury to Luke Shaw to Rashford as well. He's saying Rashford was holding his shoulder. He's not wrong. I mean, there's too much money in the game now, and television companies are fighting for for those slots to show every game. Especially now during the pandemic, games are on. You know, across four different times in the day. You've got a lunchtime kickoff as as late as an eight o'clock kickoff at night. Most yeah. most days when games are on, and it's just. There's no sense to it, really. When you when you come back from Istanbul in the early hours of Thursday to playing on Saturday, yeah. it's sort of half excusable at Christmas time, but not now, especially when there's you know a pandemic going on. I think especially there's no, with no, there's no Christmas break. I think especially with no fans, it could be easily easily shifted on a short term note. You don't have to worry about fans making travel arrangements. Yeah, exactly. You, you could easily shift it. So you can shift it a week ahead, a week sort of in advance. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I don't think it's look. When you, I don't want to stand the fence, but when you're at home, you don't really care. Cause you just want to watch the game. You don't care when United play, as long as you watch them. Yeah. But I think now there needs to be a bit more, a bit more of a responsibility from from the Premier League. They're not, they're not wrong. There's no, there's no coincidence that you know Guardiola said the same thing after the game against well, them, uh, against Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp said the same. Mourinho said the same. Lampard said the same. Well, I read the reaction was quite weird when Solskjaer came out with it because I think everyone deep down agreed with it, but just sort of the quite the notion of what social media is, unfortunately, Solskjaer was met with a lot of criticism saying, "I'll oh, get on with it. They're professional footballers. You fly first class." However, this morning Jurgen Klopp comes out and says the exact same thing. And he backs United. He said that the yeah. team, team has come back on Thursday morning and is playing on a Saturday. But Klopp is met with complete praise. Oh, it's a valid point. It's a fantastic point. We should be listening to people like Jurgen Klopp. And it's, well, hang on, Solskjaer said it a day earlier. But um, yeah, definitely whether um, action is taken, um, highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. No, it's um, look. I think they understand that you know the constraints of the season and. One thing I don't get is I don't think Solskjaer's ever... He's always been the... He's always said he's supported the five-substitution rule. But I thought, like, when it came to voting against it, he voted against it. Yeah. Um, I think with Solskjaer... I, I wouldn't say he, he gets lost in translation because he obviously, obviously understands English and speaks English perfectly. I think sometimes he... Just get not caught up in his words, but... 
doesn't understand the repercussions of what he's yeah. going to say. No, I, I agree with you there. But I think, as I said, I don't think anything is going to change. There's too much money amongst the television companies that the Premier League will be forced to succumb to that. Well, unfortunately now, after beating Everton, that means we have our 17th international break of the season already. And um, I think it is about time for our uh, weekly Paul Pogba segment, and we might as well play a little bit of Paul Pogba bingo. Um, what do you think is going to happen first on this international break? You mentioned Real Madrid, uh, Rayola mentioning Solskjaer. I think PSG um, might come into the, to, to the works this time. Speaking of PSG, Ander Herrera had a uh, heroic performance on the weekend. I mean, his manager said he, he died in the dressing room after that performance. He was that good. Do you watch much French football? I don't know, but he just said Ander Herrera. I love, I love, I love and miss Ander Herrera. Yeah. I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he's any better than what we've got, but just just in terms of like the passion for the club, he he was he was a he was a Man oh, United look, 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 we saw that in terms of you just mentioned the United players what we've missed over the years, and you just speak about the Champions League, obviously PSG in our group and Istanbul, two players who you could argue their quality wise compared to what we could get, but it's in terms of what we missed and what we sort of lacked over the years in terms of characters we have got rid of and Herrera and Rafael yeah um, both, both been fantastic I forget Herrera's performance against us obviously not too good we won the match but Rafael was fantastic against us and while I'm not sort of clamouring for them to come back to the club obviously that's not going to happen they are fantastic yeah, players yeah and you, you know you, you reflect on these chances of VR you, you know were they better off staying at the club you, it's, or, or listen but you'll never know because you know they've gone yeah. well just on Paul Pogba and look who knows I'm sure the next podcast will be directed around his comments whatever he comes out to say but there was one Norwegian journalist he's, he was quite well known on Twitter I forget his handle but um, he, he was in and around a lot of the transfer business regarding Solskjaer during the um, transfer window he made a good point I think he might have run ESPN or BT Sport I forget who the network was he made a really good point saying Solskjaer has now maybe potentially changed his approach and I don't think this was with contact with Solskjaer I think it was just an observation and Solskjaer has now changed his approach to get the best out of Manchester United rather than getting the best out of Paul Pogba. And I look at him and I think, look, I've been guilty of this myself. I've always looked for avenues to how can we get the best out of Paul Pogba because I think if you get the best out of Paul Pogba, look, people might say there's no branch. I think he's a Ballon d'Or winner. I think he's the best player in the world. You take away Messi and Ronaldo. I think if you get the best out of him, there's not a player in the world who can touch him. You get that, you get that one performance every six months though. So... Do you, do you see something in that we've sort of united them and maybe been held back over the years trying to accommodate Paul Pogba so much where now Pogba, where Solskjaer has taken the opportunity to say well hang on just drop him and we'll play for it at McTominay oh uh, yeah I, I, agree, I agree with that statement 100% um, and it's very similar to, it's, it's all about a player fitting into a system and yeah we've tried to work it around Pogba but at the end of the day you've got a similar player in Greenwood where it, in my belief only one in that system works you could swap you know you could swap Greenwood for Pogba, sorry, not Greenwood. Um, Vanderbeek. Yeah, Vanderbeek for Pogba, and you'd have the same effects. And the same with like Fernandez. You'd, you'd swap, you'd swap one of them, and I think he'd, he'd be a key player in that game. It's just it's one of them situations where you can't really get the best out of both of them. So you just got to get the best out of the team. And if that means dropping one of them, so be it. Yeah, no, well, definitely. And it's been successful, you know, when we've, you know, in the games that's happened this season, we've gone to win. Well, it will be interesting going because now, obviously, away at Everton, when Solskjaer's job on the line is a far different match to when we return to football and it's at home to West Brom. It'll probably, probably lose. 
Yeah, That'll be that first win of the season. Well, I remember with the West Brom after Pogba had that performance against City, three um, two. Yeah. Um, when it beat Man City, the next week we were going. Give that, the, that was a, that, give was, the that was a legendary Mourinho. That, that was you know what we won't let them win it. Their place, but we won't let them play to win it. Well, we'll do it on our terms. But um, yeah, look. Speaking I mean, of Mourinho. He's getting the best out of Spurs. He's getting the best out of Spurs this week. Like I said at the start of the podcast, every single week there seems to be a new story and a new league leader and a new sort of title well, challenger. Well, but a lot, a lot of our, a lot of going back to that, so to cut you off, a lot of, a lot of our social media comments and we've seen the same thing every day saying, would the change in manager make any difference? And I think this just highlights his success he's having with Spurs just highlights the problem we have with our board. It's not the manager. Yes, Solskjaer has his flaws, and, and I agree with you. I don't think he's the manager that is going to win us a Premier League title, a Champions League title. Maybe, it's, you know, he might win us a trophy because I think now more than ever this season with the unpredictability of results, it's probably the best time to win a trophy, you know, honestly. Um, but it just goes to show with, with the backing of a board, getting the players you want. I think Spurs probably, apart from Chelsea, I think Spurs made the best signings in the transfer market in terms of filling in key positions they needed. And I would not be surprised if they win something this year. Well, where do you look at it? Because there's so much sort of emotion attached with sort of ex-players and former managers. And obviously, we don't want Liverpool to win the league. You don't want City to win the league. However, if then the alternative is Jose Mourinho, do you want to see Jose Mourinho lifting a title? Yeah, I want. Oh, to oh no, no, I'll definitely take Tottenham winning a title over Absolutely, over yeah. City. I think it, I think him winning a title. Would just would really shut a lot of our fans up in the sense of highlighting the problem of how he was a virus to the club. And don't get me wrong, I think everyone had down tools. I'm not saying they shouldn't have sacked him because I, I, the, the players weren't playing for him anymore. He doesn't. He looks to have to take that massive payout, but it just goes to show that you know he's not. I don't think he's a failure. I mean. Look what he won for us. Look what he won for us with the squad we had. I mean, I don't think in that first season anyone put us as winning, you know, a League Cup and an Europa League. And the second league, in the second year, that, those amount of points would, be, would have been like title winning points in, you know, previous seasons gone by. Obviously, City did that remarkable thing of getting 100 and, you know, 101 points. But I don't think he's down and out. I, I, I would, a guilty pleasure, I would love to see him. I wouldn't, don't want him to win the league experience, obviously, but. I think it'd be, you know, it'd be good for him. Yeah, no, I definitely, I'm definitely all aboard the um, Tottenham train now in terms of winning the league because obviously don't want City to, definitely don't want Liverpool to. And I think if Tottenham win, you only really have to deal with Duncan Castles um, in terms of, no, you don't really know any other Tottenham fans. (laughs) So so it will be interesting, but um, yeah, a lot can change over the international break. We'll see who comes back fit. Um, Unfortunately, COVID is a thing now. You're going to have to see who comes back with COVID, which will be a thing. There's no hiding from it. So it will be interesting and we'll be back obviously a couple of podcasts in between that time um, but we'll definitely let you um, know when our next podcast is coming. I'm sure we'll get a few out but um, thank you all for listening. Now this one was obviously done back at the pub so there was a little bit of pub noise in the background so hopefully the audio came out clear but hopefully it was an enjoyable one and something a little bit different. Um, make sure you're subscribed on all your podcast apps and you're following on all the social medias. And um, good to be back at the pub with a beer, Josh. Good to be back on, yeah. And the good news is I'm staying as well. Doing a student visa. Okay, a little bit of breaking news yeah. there, which we can cover in the next podcast. Back so, in for another podcast. <laughs> so have a good week, everyone. Cheers.